Welcome to Exec Talk with Paradigm 360, a podcast featuring C-suite executives, entrepreneurs, nonprofit and government leaders expressing how they model leadership, integrity, and authenticity in the marketplace. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the collaboration with thought leaders from across the globe sharing their best corporate practices. Now let's welcome our host, Executive Leadership Coach Christina Lee, for another amazing conversation. Welcome to Paradigm 360. I'm your leadership coach, Christina Lee. I'm so excited to be here with another episode of Exec Talk. Today, I am excited like a kid in a candy store. Very few people get an opportunity to interview the zoo. And I am excited because I have one of the nation's top zoos with us today. We're going to be talking to Mr. Jeff Walton. He is a phenomenal leader and has done some fantastic uh, work uh, at the Cincinnati Zoo. And I'm a kid in a candy store because even in the midst of this business interview I'm going to ask him a couple of questions about animals he didn't know that but uh, I love zoos and popcorn and candy and all that stuff and so I'm excited about this so we're going to jump right into our conversation but before you do that we're going to take a quick commercial break so we can pay for the bills and acknowledge our sponsor and once we come back we'll be back with Mr. Jeff Walton from the Cincinnati Zoo. Have you ever wondered how to scale your career? Or what about lead your team to the next level of success? Or maybe you've thought about stepping out and launching that new consulting business. Whatever your personal, corporate, or professional desires are, Exec Talk with Paradigm 360 is the platform for you to glean from world-class thought leaders across the globe. Join the conversations on Apple, Android, and various podcast platforms. And once the show is over, keep the conversation going on Twitter at Paradigm360 underscore LLC. Until then, in the words of our executive leadership coach, Christina Lee, we'll see you at the top. You're listening to Exec Talk with Paradigm 360 with executive leadership coach, Christina Lee. After the show, stay connected at www.paradigm360consulting.com. Now back to the show with your host, Christina Lee. Well, 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 we're back for another episode of Exec Talk. I'm so excited today. I love talking about leadership, and I have one of the country's top leaders, and he's doing some fantastic work there in the um Cincinnati area. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Jeff Walton. I want to give you a short snippet of his bio. Uh, Jeff Walton completed his undergraduate studies in the field of psychology at, are you ready for this? The Ohio State University. He completed his business coach credentialing and certification from Weatherhead School of Management at Case Western Reserve University. Jeff Walton is an experienced human resource leader leader and certified business coach who helps organizations improve employee engagement and optimize their culture and coaches employees to identify and reach their goal and aspirations. His coaching style focuses on helping people identify their strengths and leverage them to work towards positive intentional intentional change to do their best work and live their best life. Will you help me welcome our guest today, Mr. Jeff Walton. Wow, Jeff. Jeff, do the animals do that when you go into the zoo every day? Uh, no, not quite. They do look at me like, do you have something for me? You're bringing me a treat? But other than that, no. 
Well, Jeff, listen, first of all, thank you for being on the show today. I got to tell you, I am a kid at heart, and some of my fondest memories growing up was going to the zoo. I'm from the Bay Area, and so uh, we would go to the San Francisco Zoo, and of course they had a zoo even in Oakland, if you could believe that, as small as Oakland is. But the Cincinnati Zoo is one of the top zoos in the United States, and so um, I'm excited to have you on the show my, my one of my bucket lists. I'm getting ready to be a grandmother. I'm so excited. Let let, let me get a big. There you go. That, that's from congratulations. My, my yeah, grandbaby, uh, Braxton. And um, what's exciting about that is that I can't wait to uh, take him to the Cincinnati Zoo because that's yeah. going to be one of those trips. Talk to us about. Um, you and a little bit about yourself and your role at the zoo, anything you'd like to share? Well, so I've, I'm the HR director here at the zoo and a nonprofit HR department can be kind of small. So there's a team of three that serves over 500 employees here at the zoo. I've been here for over 18 years now. And the, the cool thing about being at a zoo um, or, or being a small department at a nonprofit, but especially like the zoo is every day is different. It's its own adventure. And uh, our roles are very different now than they were, you know, when I started here 18 years ago. So it's kept things very, very fresh. Uh, we've been able to continually learn and grow with the organization as it has changed. Wow, fantastic. Um, how has COVID-19 impacted what you do at the zoo? I mean, I can't imagine what it was like um, during the height of the pandemic, not being able to really have customers yeah, that was that was a tough one. I mean, I, I think though everybody realized quickly that this was not some little thing that was just going to pass. You know, when we got the order that we had to close, we were closed for three months. Um, wow. We knew that things were going to look very different going forward. Um, we did lose a number of staff. <clears throat> we were able to um, treat them as as well as we could uh, on their way out and and provide. Uh, whatever assistance we could as they transitioned out of the workplace. Again, at that time of the year, a lot of our uh, staffing is seasonal. So we had just hired on a bunch of, you know, college kids and things like that. And then we had to turn around and let them go. So that was, that was hard. They understood. But um, at the same time, the the most amazing thing occurred. And when the community, since the greater Cincinnati community, and even probably the country and the world found out our situation, um, the emergency fund that we set up, people started donating like crazy to support the zoo and our animals. Um, So it was a really, um, it was, you know, it was very difficult to go through, but it really kind of reaffirmed our place in this community. And uh, that really made us appreciate our public and and the people that, that love us. We can't, we wouldn't be here without them. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> Listen, before we jump into our conversation, I'd like to know what's one fun fact uh, or highlight regarding working at the zoo? I can't imagine just working in such an amazing place every day. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's a tough one to think of one, right? So I, I would say, you know, to your point of, you know, while I'm in HR, the, the one thing that I find so fun for me is when I go out into the zoo, whether it's walking across the zoo to go to a meeting or, or whatever. And I, you know, part of my job is to interact with guests, right? They're, they're the reason we're all here to serve our mission. And, you know, 
my ability to interact with them, stop, see how they're doing, what their day is like, what they're hoping to find and just connect with them. Really, it, it fills my tank, if you will, with energy to see that the reaction and the impact that our zoo has on people, especially when, like, for example, just, just uh, last week, uh, we have our Festival of Lights event, which is the holiday event going up and, and we're all hanging lights, all hands on deck. And so I'm out and I'm, I'm working on some lighting things and I'm over in our, in our uh, hippo area and we have three hippos out on the tank, Fiona, who's probably the most famous hippo in the world, uh, and uh, Dee Dee, her mom, and Tucker, who came to us from San Francisco Zoo, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so they are out, you know, kind of playing late in the day and they start vocalizing and, and blowing air and water everywhere. And the, the crowd around them was just erupting. They were, they were just, it was like a kid in a candy store to your point. They were laughing, shouting, screaming, taking video and everything. And I'm standing there realizing I'm in this every day, but this moment for some people is going to be something that they might remember finally for the rest of their lives and share that with their kids and maybe their grandkids and things like that as they continue to bring them back. And that life cycle of the zoo continues on through our community. So it's things like that on a day in day out basis that are so wonderful. And then it's, it's really kind of the fun we're allowed to have. Um, and as an, as an example, I have been known to, I, I look like Will Ferrell in many, buddy, in many people's eyes. And so a number of years ago, I dressed up as Buddy the Elf and we actually did like a three minute video and posted it on YouTube with me like giving gifts to the animals and things like that. So oh, wow. just being able to have fun and, and not take ourselves so seriously is, is a really cool thing to be. So it's, that, it's a lot of fun being here. That's fantastic. Well, thank you for sharing. And I, again, I, I really look forward to uh, uh, coming and visit soon. It's, it's not, it's not a, a long um, hike from Charlotte. I could, there I could make it yeah. there in about uh, seven hours or so. Yeah. So, you know, you and I met through a mutual friend, uh, Valerie Willis, mm -hmm. who um, is the, one of the gurus of the Leadership Challenge. And um, I was so charged after hearing you share about the work that you've done with the Leadership Challenge, uh, which is how you ended up on the show. And so I wanted to just hear more uh, about you and your relationship with the Leadership Challenge and how has it impacted you as a leader? And by the way, for our audience, the Leadership Challenge is um, the five practices of leadership, which um, can be delivered through a 360 assessment, but it also can be facilitated in workshops. But the five practices of leadership are just phenomenal. Uh, and when you use them and you model them at high frequencies, in your organization, the return uh, on your investment as a leader is huge. So I'm going to let Jeff, because he's, he's a champion in this area, and I know that he'd be able to share a little bit more. So tell us how you got involved in this. Sure. So I, I was introduced to it through a local company called the Leadership uh, uh, Council for Nonprofits, headed up by Jenny Berg here in the Cincinnati area. And they actually offered a, um, a discounted rate for nonprofit leaders to go through the leadership challenge at an area um, uh, place called Camp Joy. And it's an outdoor retreat area that serves uh, youth and, and you know, other members of the community, but it's got great retreat space. You can have a really experiential uh, workshop. 
And so <clears throat> the facilitator of that was by the name of Steve Coates, who was a good partner with Valerie Willis as well. And <clears throat> so I went through it there and that included the, the LPI 360 assessment. And the two biggest takeaways for me was part of the process of, of, of going through the leadership challenge is really that, that look in the mirror and clarifying what your value, personal values are, what your vision is of yourself and who and what you want to be. And I'd never really gone through that before. And so to take that time and, and focus on like, what are my, what are my core values and how am I serving them or underserving them? which leads to my overall engagement in life, really, uh, and especially at, at, at work. And then, and then the LPI 360, which engages other people in my organization. So I'm not just assuming how I'm doing. I'm actually asking them of these, you know, the five practices or 30 behaviors, how am I doing? You know, I've got my opinion on how I'm doing. How do you see I'm doing? How does my manager see that I'm doing? And then having those really thoughtful conversations about where there are differences. And it's not just differences in where you think you're doing something more frequently than, than they do. Sometimes it's, it's reverse. And, you know, the other thing that the LPI provided was an opportunity for people to celebrate things they think you do well. Like, what are your best traits as a leader? What do you want to thank them for? And then on the flip, of course, what could they do more or less of to be a better leader or stop doing altogether? So, it's, it's wonderful feedback. If you can, it, it is a little nerve wracking, you know, when you're, you have to be vulnerable. Uh, but when you can take that feedback and again, have it, you know, I think a trained facilitator to guide you through the feedback is really important. And that was the great thing about the workshop. Um, but then I came back to the organization and talking with Steve said, look, I'd love to have some conversations with some of the key people that gave me feedback. And I came to them and said, you know, for example, if there's, if there's a behavior that for which you rated me, you know, low and low is, you know, low is just a number or a figure, a term, right? If there's something that you rated me low on, is it because you don't think I'm doing it or you don't see it? Because here at the zoo, we've got 83 buildings. So we're not one office building where we all pass each other in the halls and see everything. So, you know, I met with our chief operating officer and I was asking some questions and, and the, the first thing that came out of his mouth was, when I did this for you, it, it opened my eyes as to how disconnected we can be sometimes. And I don't really know the true answer to some of these questions. Now, this isn't me trying to defend if I got a low score or not. It was because what they'll say in the LPI is, if you don't know, you give it like a three or a four. That's right. You give it a three. That's right. Yeah. And, and so... He's like, Jeff, honestly, I, I'm not sure. I'd like to think so, but, but I don't know. So why don't we figure out ways that I'll know these answers the next time you do this? And that just opened the door. So it opened the door to creating a better stream of communication with my executive team. It, it also changed the way that they saw me because all of a sudden I am the one being really intentional about my leadership development and growth. And I'm saying to them, I want you to tell me what you need for me, what you want for me. And if, and if you're not seeing it, you know, let, let's figure this out together. And they were like, wow, we hadn't, they'd never approached that before because it hadn't been here before. So that led to us bringing in the impact that it had on me with them 
led to us bringing the leadership challenge into the zoo. And we have put, oh, I think close to 130 people through the, the full workshop. Wow, that is impressive, Jeff. Yeah. How long did it take for you to do that in groups? That's fantastic. Yeah, so we've done about two a year prior to COVID, and each group would be about 25. Wow, uh, and then we, did, then we did um, staff sessions for more of the frontline staff that didn't have the full LPI and things like that, but we introduced all the five practices over the course of a number of hours uh, to get them through it. So when I went through it, I think later that summer, we turned around and, and I got the, the whole management team in it, and then off we went. Oh, that is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And for those uh, who may not know, as Jeff and I are talking about um, the five practices of exemplary leadership, um, it's model the way, inspiring a shared vision, um, challenge the process, which is something I'm going to talk to Jeff about in just a second, enabling others to act and encouraging the heart. And when you're modeling these at high frequencies uh, in your leadership, you know, it really allows intangible leadership to become tangible in the mm -hmm. life of other people. So that's why I love it so much, Jeff, because what you experience as an end user on the other end of the leader is just powerful. Mm -hmm. And you really have to be intentional about your leadership uh, to focus in on these five areas. So, you know, this brings me to your title, because I love your title <laughs> at the zoo. Your title is Chief, Chief Hope Officer. <laughs> I love that. You're the <laughs> CHO. You, you know you got to explain that, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, that, uh, just to be clear, that is self-imposed. Okay. So I am, I am the, the HR director here. <laughs> But it, it's another part of my leadership development was going through a character strengths survey through VIA. And I recommend that to people who are on their leadership journey as well. And I use it in my coaching. And one of my top personal character strengths was hope. And, and, and as I vetted through that and I asked people what they thought and, and we were talking about how, you know, they said, well, how do you use hope in your, in your job, in your everyday work? Um, you know, life is hard. Work can be hard. And in HR, oftentimes we are pulled in when things aren't in the best situation for people. And so what I've always said was, regardless if somebody, as an example, if somebody is failing on some level in their role, um, they're already in a difficult space. And they've probably had a couple pretty difficult conversations with their supervisor, manager, their leader. When I'm brought into the mix, it, it elevates everything, right? So they're really starting like, uh-oh, what, you know, what are we doing here? Well, we're, 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 we're here to talk so that we can figure out how to get you back on track. And so that's where I bring compassion, empathy, and hope into play, where I want them to understand, look, wherever we are, we've realized is not where we need to be. But if they don't believe that we are supporting them and that tomorrow can be a better day than today, they're, they're not going to feel like they stand a chance. And so I always want to bring into those conversations kindness, respect, and hope so that they know when they walk out, we've got their back, we support them 100%, and we know they're in a tough space, but the last thing they can do to succeed is look over their shoulder. So however we can, so I can bring hope into that situation and say, I'm, we're here for you, I'm here for you, if there's something you need to talk about or something you want to work on as you're you know, climbing out of the situation, don't hesitate because we are here to support you. 
so that you can be who you want to be for yourself and the organization as well. And that's inside the organization. It's also outside the organization. You know, a lot of what we focus on, I'll call it like that holistic picture of, of our employees. They're not just employees. You know, the, our people aren't widgets. Right. You know, right. They're human beings. They, they've got families. They've got lives. They've got their own circles of influence. And, and our approach is if we can make them the best version of themselves, they'll be better in every relationship that they have. Included in that is they'll be the best employee they can be for the organization as well. So everybody wins. But I want somebody to feel like they can thrive no matter where they are in their life, whatever role, whatever relationship. So that's, that's where that, that hope um, comes in. And, and my wife will be the first to tell you that um, I've got to sometimes guard against Pollyannaism a little bit. She's been known to, to use that term with me, like, okay, Pollyanna, you know, bring it down a notch. But you know what? If, if hope and kindness are, are a weakness, then I, you, you can count me out. <laughs> well, well, you know, my, my term, uh, my slogan is real people come to work. Mm-hmm. And real people come to work and they bring their real issues, their real baggage. And they really need a place to be safe and uh, to see transparent leadership. Um, mm-hmm. Patrick Lencioni talks about vulnerability trust. Yeah. Uh, and all of those things, when we can master uh, as much as possible the five practices of leadership, you know, trust is the bedrock of modeling the way. And so when people know that they're going to come to work and get authentic leadership, that's really important. Now, now I have a question, Jeff, because you're just mm-hmm. one individual um, mm-hmm. at the zoo. And oftentimes leadership is not the first thing on our list as an organization in terms mm-hmm. of paying for leaders. Now, oftentimes we will train the top 10, maybe 15% of the organization, but we very rarely trickle these principles down to frontline yeah. staff. Um, you're a huge service industry. I'm sure that many of the folks that work with you, uh, you know, it's very difficult for them to get time off to attend these trainings. Mm-hmm. You've been intentional about this culture mm-hmm. um, that kind of prescribes to chief hope officer. I would think that I'd find a dozen or more Jeffs in, in your area of the zoo, mm-hmm. based on what I I've heard about the zoo and the culture. How do you create, how have you created this culture? I, I mean, how do you get from frontline all the way up to uh, the top level of uh, leadership? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great insight, uh, Christina. And, it really fed back to, you know, when we had that change in leadership and we started working on strategic planning, we realized that, you know, once we had, I'm not going to say, uh, right, well, maybe righted the ship a little bit as to how we, the product that we're putting out to our visitors and their experience, um, we made an intentional shift in realizing that uh, we have to focus on our people and we, we win with our people. And so, in order to do that, we needed to create a culture of leaders at all levels. That's what we kind of coined in our strategic plan. So that's getting people, like I said, from the leadership challenge all the way down to that frontline supervisor, and then introducing those practices even to their teams. Um, and, and again, the same, another way of introducing those practices to the teams is when that, when that, that leader does that LPI 360. So it really opened up that conversation and gave an instant feedback loop and development opportunity for everybody going through it. So 
you're right. I mean, there are so many companies that were like, oh, we don't have time or the budget for leadership training. Well, I would say it's oftentimes the thing that's not realized or it's unsaid in the room when we're thinking, why can't we get from here to there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's because we, we don't have the right mindset to help drive change and, and, and enact change in our organization. And, you know, sticking with these practices, you can't just have, you know, the leaders of the executive team making everything happen. They're the ones that make the big decisions, but then everybody below them are the ones that actually carry it out. Right. So, you know, sharing vision, enabling others to act, all of that, encouraging them to challenge the process. All of those things have to happen in order for us to go from where we were to where we want to go. Um, and so it really was um, an intentional step. And, and oftentimes I think we have seen either through organizations we've been in or with peers is oftentimes you don't realize until maybe not that it's too late, but poor leadership inhibits that. You know, if yes. you've got these goals, you want to do poor leadership or I say lack of leadership can, can hinder your progress. Poor leadership can actually stop it in its tracks and create a negative culture where you won't be able to make change. So this leadership initiative was really something we realized was imperative to our success in serving, in serving others. That's fantastic. You, you hit on something that uh, I wanted to uh, talk about in our show today, and that was challenge the process. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I was uh, just so um, excited about when I heard you speak uh, several weeks ago was how one of the five practices, uh, practice number three, challenge the process, how that just made a revolutionary turn in your organization. And uh, oftentimes, because people are afraid of conflict, Mm -hmm. uh, they're afraid to challenge the process. Mm -hmm. And um, I love Patrick Lencioni's uh, five behaviors. He talks about having constructive conflict that sometimes, Jeff, we have to be willing to cross the line just a tad bit, not yeah. in a way that we're disrespecting someone, but that we do give pushback, that mm -hmm. we say, hey, listen, let's have a heated debate you know, as long as yep. it's in the interest of the organization, of course, we're yeah. going to keep it professional. Sure. But it is important that we can create an environment where people can have a voice. Mm -hmm. And challenging the process really allows that. Would you agree? And how did this principle, this practice, open up just new opportunity for the zoo? Yeah, you said you said a lot of great things there. I mean, one of the things that we actually built um, the like the essence of challenge the process into our core values, you know, part of and, and maybe this is a sidebar for another conversation, but part of this process of bringing the leadership challenge into the zoo was actually the zoo creating its own core values for the first time ever. Wow. You know, we, we've had a mission, we've had a vision statement, strategic objective, but this was what do all of us believe in together? And if you're reading the leadership challenge, that is actually in that first chapter of model the way is what you know, clarify your values and vision and clarifying your values as an organization. We did that with all of our employees. So it was a wonderful, wonderful um, step. So one of those core values is you know, progressive thinking. And it was challenging the process in productive and respectful ways. So we kind of set the table of don't, I'm just challenging the process. I'm just disagreeing with everything you have to say. It's 
okay, so you have a different opinion. Let's create a forum where we can share that opinion in, in a meaningful way, in a respectful way, and be open to including as many people in that, in that uh, conversation as possible. But challenge the process when we change leadership that that's really, um, I mean, all of these other things came together, but we didn't realize we were challenging the process, quote unquote, at the time. But when we had the change in leadership, um, since that time, like at the, oh, let me, let me back up. So at the time we were around 1 million visitors a year. Wow. And if I just, we, we did a look back in 2016 and it's even better since 20, uh, since, you know, prior to COVID. The year before COVID, so 2019, we were up to 1.9 million visitors. Wow. So 900,000 more people. Yeah. Yeah. So you stop and say, well, how'd that happen? Well, we look back and say, we we actually did a a leadership kind of, you know, total think dump on this and say, throw everything at it. Like, what, how'd this happen? How how do we succeed? And our revenues up and visitors are up, all that. We went through this big exercise. And of all the things that everybody identified about it, what we realized was 70% of what we identified had nothing to do with our animals. For the most part, we were the same zoo. We had a couple new, you know, we were redoing exhibits. We had a couple new animals and 2016 was even before the Fiona craze occurred. So we didn't even have hippos in Africa yet. So in 2016, we realized what, you know, we're mostly the same zoo. We've got a couple new things, but no just major thing that would make almost twice as many people want to show up. And we realized it was how we were doing business, how we were respecting the visitor. We literally changed the, not only what we do with the guests, but literally every physical aspect of the zoo. We changed how people got in. We created an experience with it instead of this park anywhere and just come in and people don't even know where they are. So we, we galvanized the experience so everybody received the same experience from the time they got out of their car to the time they're in the zoo. We created these wow moments. We call them wild animal encounters at the time where you could be walking through the zoo. Because what we would find is somebody's like, oh, I was dying to see the polar bears today, but they're not out. And sometimes polar bears have a procedure, you know, a, a medical exam or whatever. And that really, you know, like they're really upset about that but they walk around the corner and there's somebody holding a stellar sea eagle and you can come up and stand three feet away and learn about that eagle or there's maybe a reptile that you can touch or there might be um a pot-bellied pig walking through the zoo that type of stuff so we create these experiences where people are like wow any given day the zoo could be a different experience for me and we took that mindset like that that mantra of making it a fluid experience every day so that if if a if a family came every day, they might see something different. Wow. That was that was kind of the, the, the track we took. So we changed the physical nature of the zoo. We changed the interaction of the zoo and, the, and the visitors. Um, but then we also looked at some of the key partnerships we had, right? So we have uh, a vendor, a key partner who provides food and retail for the zoo. It had been the same one for a number of years. Um, our main construction contractors, so all the new exhibits and things like that. Yeah, that's a big operation that, that we outsource to a major construction firm. We realized when we were talking through these strategic issues that we weren't really in alignment anymore. We changed both of those. We changed our, our payroll HR provider. Wow. We changed a number of these big providers, and, and we came up with this wonderful alignment that made all of our work easier 
Now, it doesn't mean we didn't disagree with each other, but to your point, when, when you have the same vision, same values, you realize we can get to where we're going to go in, in a better way. And so we realized it was all of those relationships and, and the um, investment in ourselves and each other that made the difference. More diversity on our executive leadership team, more women on the executive leadership team. Um, that all, it, it, when they say those, those stats are true. When you do that, great things are gonna happen. Uh, and oftentimes you have to get out of, you just have to get out of the way. And we empowered people at every level of the organization to tell us how, could we, how we could get better. And we listened and we acted. I love what you, you said, you empowered people at every level of the mm -hmm. organization, enabling others to act, mm -hmm. uh, really giving people an opportunity to weigh in on the experience. You said something uh, early in our conversation when I asked you um, to share a fun fact about the zoo. And what I was waiting for was, oh, I love the gorilla uh, or working with, uh, you know, the hippos. No, mm -hmm. you know what you said? You talked about the customer. Mm -hmm. That the most, the, the fun fact for you is to engage with the customer. And yeah. I think, you know, I heard that. Even, you know, even though I was looking for something different, um, meaning that I just thought you were going to, just naturally he's going to talk about the giraffes. I mean, surely he's <laughs> going to talk about the giraffes. But I, but I, I appreciate it, and I learned from you, Jeff, in this moment as a leader, um, because you talked about the customer experience. Mm -hmm. And now I can hear that strategic plan. I can hear it even in your mm -hmm. own leadership on this podcast. Your strategic plan uh, has become tangible even in this conversation. Yeah, that's and great. That's that's just absolutely powerful. Well, listen, huh? we're going to take a commercial break and mm -hmm. we're going to come back and wrap up our conversation with Jeff. Jeff, this has been fantastic. I, I'm just missing the popcorn. Do y'all serve popcorn at Cincinnati Zoo? <laughs> popcorn, funnel cakes, whatever you need. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll set you up when you come by. Well, great. Well, listen, we're going to go on a quick break and we will be right back. Paradigm 360 LLC is a corporate consulting firm that specializes in executive coaching, coach training certification, change management, and an array of leadership development tools designed to build culture and produce authentic leadership within your organization. Our team of experts have over 30 years of combined experience working with C-suite executive, leadership teams, middle management, and frontline employees. We take pride in our corporate motto, building world-class leaders one conversation at a time. Please Please look us up on the web at www.paradigm360consulting.com. Until then, we'll see you at the top. You're listening to Exec Talk with Paradigm 360 with Executive Leadership Coach Christina Lee. After the show, stay connected at www.paradigm360consulting.com. Now back to the show with your host, Christina Lee. Well, 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 we're back with Mr. Jeff Walton, Executive Leadership Coach and HR Director for the Cincinnati Zoo. I have just uh, learned a wealth of leadership information, and I know that you have too. Uh, Jeff, listen, I would love to hear just a mentoring moment for you from you, mm -hmm. and I have a question for you. So as a seasoned leader, if you could look back and give advice to yourself 
at 22 years of age. What message about leadership would you share to yourself? That is a great question. It's one I, I, I like to ask of other people as well. Um, and when I was thinking, when, when I hear that question, I think about, you know, you're so busy trying to find your way. I think the world, the world is kind of set up to put us into lanes, if you will, and say, now everybody, you know, you, 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 know, you graduate high school, do you go to college? If you do that, then you do this, then you do this. And you just, you bide your time and hopefully something magical happens and you're happy in your career. And when I look back uh, and I, I would say from a career standpoint, I was, I was on autopilot. You know, I didn't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. That's right. So I would say, boy, it, if I could have had access, you know, and again, it's what I, when I talk to our interns and other folks, it's find people around you that you, you know, you're just, if you find somebody, you come across somebody you're like, boy, I always like what they have to say. They really seem like they have, you know, they have a lot of common sense or whatever. Reach out to them. Try to find some mentors in your life that, you know, can push you, can provide you information about where you want to go. Get out of the middle lane. Take some chances. I'm, I'm a father of two daughters and I'm, and I'm trying to push that. I've got a sophomore in college. I'm like, honey, get out of your comfort zone, right? Go do something you're not, well, it's okay. We, you learn more in those experiences. And when I, when I relate that to leadership, um, you, you have to get to a point where you're finding time to continue to learn about certain things. And you have to understand that leadership is for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's not yes. for when you get a certain promotion or you have a That's certain right. title. It's for absolutely everybody. And if you sit and wait for somebody to magically tap you on the shoulder and say, I want you to go to this class or I want you to do this, you might, you might never stop waiting. Um, I, want, I would empower everybody to find something that speaks to them and then find people who can support that, that purpose, passion, and vision to help them grow. Um, and I try to do that. Again, sometimes my daughters are like, Dad, I'm not one of your employees at the zoo. I'm like, <laughs> I know, honey. But I didn't know about this stuff until I was in my 40s. <laughs> and as they, you know, studies show that, you know, people would benefit from leadership um, in the early 20s. You know, so the earlier we can, can find that. And leadership doesn't mean you're in charge of people. You know, it's, it's, it's really, it's how you behave. And that's the beauty of the leadership challenge. It's not about, it's not about you know, oh, I know all the quotes and I can do it. It's, it's how do I behave? How do I show up? Am I consistent? Do I care about others? Am I encouraging others? Am I, am I bringing them into the bigger picture? Those are all, you can say all you want, but on a day in day out basis, are you, are you acting and behaving in a way that is consistent with what people need for you to be the best leader you know, for them? And you know, for me, it was, I, I think I would say, find those things inside and outside of your organization that fill your tank. You know, clarify what matters most to you. That can change life, life changes, but you get out of autopilot in those early twenties and, and find people who are willing. And there are a ton of people out there who are, who are willing to share and give you a nudge here or there. And that's what I would say. I I would just, I would just say, you know, don't let life just happen to you. Go out and grab it. That's powerful. Now with that said, Mm -hmm. as we look forward, and you're standing there giving your retirement speech <laughs> and you're going to retire and ride off in the sunset and enjoy your best life. What legacy will Jeff Walton leave? Oh, 
another great question. Um, you know, ultimately, I'd like to think that um, people knew know that I care, and it was my goal to try to help others be the best version of themselves, right? And if if yeah, and and kind of what you see is what you get, right? I I don't want to turn it into a a big sound bite, but um, I'm authentic in who I am, and my desire is to work with people to help them be the best they can be for everything around them. So I think if I am, if that's my goal and I'm behaving in a way to meet that, I, I, I think I'll, I'll rest easy when that time comes. Wow. You all, you've heard it folks from Mr. Jeff Walton, uh, one of the nation's top zoos, the Cincinnati zoo. We're so excited to have had him on the show. Jeff, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for showing up in your authentic self. Folks, listen, we are so glad uh, that you tuned in today, and uh, we hope that you've enjoyed today's uh, podcast. We look forward to coming back with more leadership principles, but today my time is up. I thank you for yours. I'll see you at the top. Thank you for tuning in to Exec Talk with Paradigm 360, where executive leadership meets values, authenticity, and integrity in the marketplace. If you would like to know more about Paradigm 360 Consulting, check us out on the web, www.paradigm360consulting.com, or continue the Exec Talk conversation on Twitter at Paradigm 360 underscore LLC. Until then, in the words of executive leadership coach Christina Lee, we'll see you at the top.